It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elia connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When the moment hits... You know, you never know when that opportunity is going to come around again or if it will come around again. So, you know, I've, I've learned to uh, to be willing to take the risk um, of, of doing something that kind of gets me outside of my box um, and, 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 and kind of stretches me as, as a person, stretches me as an artist and, you know, challenges me to continue to do the work even when I'm, I may not necessarily feel like doing the work. As, as one of my dearest friends in this industry says, do the work to stay ready. You don't have to get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. What if I told you there was more to the story behind game-changing events? Get ready for my new podcast, That Moment with Damon John. We'll jump into the 
personal stories of some of the most influential people on the planet, from business moguls and celebrities to athletes and artists. Let me thank you so much for being here, man. How you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, by the time this comes out, you will have graced uh, the stage of Miami. What is the tour name, or is it one? I know you had, uh, I believe it was Lemmy and Friends. You had, you was, you, you did really well with, and that was back a couple of years ago, right? Uh, what, what is, what is today, or what is that? What are you on today? Is it a tour, or is? is uh, it no, a, it's not a tour. I'm, I'm here on the uh, uh, for performance with Florida Grand Opera. And we're doing performances of the opera I Pagliacci, or translates as the clowns. Um, and so we're uh, we're opening this weekend here at the uh, the Arch Center, and uh, we have three performances here in Miami, and then uh, two performances in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I'm just gonna hop right into it. Can I hear a little bit about your story? Because I the right people may definitely know who you are, hundred percent when you're when you're taking those stages. What is your your initial story where you come from? And, you know, it's kind of like the shark tank thing. Hey, hello, sharks. But I just kind of want you to tell people until we get into uh, how what an amazing performer you are and what what an amazing talent. Well, I, I grew up and was born and raised in, in rural Missouri, southeastern Missouri, small town by the name of Kennett, Missouri. Uh, we're about 200 miles south of St. Louis, about 100 miles north of Memphis and uh, grew up in the rather large family. I'm the youngest of 10. And, uh, you know, my dad was a preacher. So obviously I grew up in the church, which was uh, also my first kind of introduction to music in general, uh, which through the church, you know, grew up singing in church. And uh, eventually as I got older, I joined the school choir in middle school and uh, basically just to kind of be where my friends were. I had no interest in music at that time, really. Uh, but I joined the choir, and, and my teacher um, discovered I had a voice and uh, and had a unique talent. And, and uh, you know, she basically took me under her wing over the next several years and kind of nurtured that talent and, uh, and eventually introduced me to opera. Um, going into my uh, sophomore, junior year, and uh, that introduction uh, set me on a path that truly changed my life. Why did that path, I mean, you said it was rural Missouri, correct? Yes. What's the path? Because, you know, tell me, the, tell me is, there a, is there a normal course of, of an opera singer or performer that usually takes us and they... they they're groomed ever since they're young, or when they're the act, you know, the lack of a better word, the scouts and the people who know that they are there's greatness there. You come in, mm -hmm. you start going on that path, and you start being assigned to people. You start doing, you know, when you're not in school, you got summer this, summer that. You know, when I, when my daughter, my second daughter, uh, who was uh, really trying to be a figure skater, you know, uh, she was practicing North Carolina, she, Super disciplined, getting up every single morning, six o'clock, falling on her head, you know, 10 times until she went to school. Um, and th there's that point where she turned around and she saw that the one or two kids in there were kids who went to Germany, to Switzerland. They were homeschooled. She got mm -hmm. on that ice. They were before her on that ice and they were on that ice when she left. And when she came oh. back after school, they were still on that ice. 
And there is that point where you go, there's a circuit that happens at some point where people commit and they go so hard that there's no turning back. So is that the course that had happened to you? Because of course, let's acknowledge, obviously you are an African-American and I, I do not know that much about the opera. Um, I would suspect that there are not an overabundance. Maybe they could, because if you, you, you know, you look at, you look at stuff like um, rock bands and uh, I don't care if it's uh, Pink Floyd and various other things. They always have, they always have African-Americans with a very rich voice in the band. So if somebody said, well, Roth doesn't have any black people. Yes, they do. They yeah. sure do. Um, but as an African-American man and, and being in such a prestigious role and position, is that a course you went down? Are there a lot of African-Americans and how easy was this in such a really, really small world of uh, limited, uh, you know, access? No, honest, my path wasn't the typical path. Um, a lot of people in, in well, um, most of the people I know who are in this industry were lovers of the art form from childhood. Um, you know, they their families were into it and they they listened to it at home on a regular basis. Um, I hadn't heard opera until I was 14, 15 years old. Um right. You know, but in that short time, I grew to grew to love the sound, and I decided I wanted to go to school to study. So I went to to school at Oberlin Conservatory of Music, um, where I was lucky and blessed to be able to study with one of the great vocal pedagogues of our time, Richard Miller. And um, you know, a lot of times people in this industry will go study their undergrad. They may go into a grad program. Um, some of them may go into what we call a young artist program. Where they kind of um, join uh, join an opera company as sort of an intern and kind of learn the ropes of the industry. Um, that wasn't my path. Um, my path was um, was was much different. Um, I came out of school and sang professionally for a couple of years, and uh, then my path took a dramatic turn, and that I stopped singing for twelve years. Why did you stop? You you were making you you at this point when you came out of school, you you created you were living off of it, right? You it was your career, correct? It was it was what I was trying to build as a career. I was in the in the early stages of building that career, um, but it was just one of those things where I you know I'd, I'd always promise myself if whatever I'm doing ceases to be fun, I don't want to do it anymore. And there was so much going on in the industry that. Um, it had nothing to do with uh, one's ability, one's vocal ability, or one's uh, singing ability. Um, that just drained the the. It completely drained my love of singing, and I decided to take a break. Um, what I thought would initially be maybe a six month break turned into a year. A year turned into five. Five turned into ten, and so on. Um, you know, life just happened and I was able to pursue some other interest in that time. But, um, you know, and, uh, eventually they say all roads lead back to where you're supposed to be. Um, but the road that I went on eventually led me back to singing. Um, yeah. Well, what happened or not what it happened exactly. Um, I want to know what was the discouraging thing that may have happened. Was it, um, 
you were boxed out or you just didn't get the roles for any particular reason because I just I want to know the moment or that moment you realized that you were willing to take it on again was it because of your your love for it was it you felt the industry had changed was it was it an individual were you contractually obligated so what if you could share what had happened to deter you from something that you're extremely talented at and gifted at to a point. I'm sure that a lot of that gift means hard work. What what happened to deter you from to take such there was a lot of uh, there was there was a lot of discrimination that would go on in in this industry. Um, uh, discrimination against people based on the color of their skin, uh, on body size, body image, things of that nature. Um, that during those times people were able to make comments to us as artists um, about our our look, our body image, our, you know, things that had nothing to do with our singing. Uh, and they were able to do it with impunity. Um, there was no recourse for an artist to, to, um, to challenge this type of discrimination. And, um, you're, and you're not talking about people as an audience. You're talking about people who are in control, in control of the purses, Yes. The media who are, who are doing the casting, doing the hiring um, within the opera companies and orchestras and um, other arts organizations throughout the country. These were the people who were, uh, you know, general directors who would make comments to 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 me and other artists and say, you know, hey, you have a fabulous voice, but call me after you lose 50 pounds. Then I'll give you an audition. Um, and there was no recourse to be able to challenge things like that. Um, so it was, you know, it just became very draining and, and instead of, uh, instead of just, you know, dealing with it, not being able to deal with it, not being able to challenge it, I decided that I, I no longer wanted to be a part of the industry. So, so what made you decide to, uh, go back because did they, the times change? So there was a public debate on Mark Cuban with Mark Cuban and, uh, Elon Musk on um, should they have you know more initiatives like uh, the DEI and various other things, and the initiatives are generally only as good as the people following them because you can find ways to cast judgment and or hinder people even if the law says not to, mm -hmm. right? Um, so even if there has been to people talking about change, Black Lives Matter you know, LGBTQ plus whatever the case is. If you have experienced those things where there was no repercussion in one sense, why would you go back to that industry that you know the 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 prejudice of bigotry and racism is prevalent? Part of it is that, you know, it was something that I loved quite deeply. And it was during the time I during uh, roughly around 2007 I, I was working as a, a field organizer for um, then Senator Barack Obama's first campaign for president. And I was working in my home state to help get him elected. And it was in the process of that, during some of our events we had planned, my um, I, I had asked people to come out and sing the national anthem for these events and things of that nature. And on a few occasions, the person would would back out at the last minute and um my boss um knowing my background uh 
basically told me you you got to step in and do it. You know, since are you uh, talking about the are you, are you sure you're not talking about the Catalina Catalina wine mixer? No, was no. this the Catalina wine mixer? No, no, no. So I went in and and uh, and and sang the national anthem at, at these events, and it was in the in the process of doing this, I noticed some changes in my own voice. Um, and those changes, you know, the voice had matured a bit over those times that it, it, had, it had taken on a richer tone, uh, to it. Um, and I didn't hear any other voices quite like it in the industry currently. Um, so wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. how can you say you didn't hear any voices quite like it in the industry? It's your voice. I can't say. Stand my voice. You know how many people listening to you right now like, you goddamn right out of anybody like it because I can't stand it. How many people like their own voice? Did you go, oh, man. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the great Leontine Price said, um, how can I expect others to love my voice if I don't love it first? And there are no true words that have ever been spoken. And it was a process for me to learn to love my voice because I was one of those people who hated to listen to recordings of myself sing. Um, but I had to learn to love my sound, you know, because if I don't love it, how can I, you know, how can I expect the audience members I'm singing this, for it? To was love? this 2007, 2008? This was 2007, uh, 2008. And then once the campaign ended, I began uh, the process of, rebuilding my voice over over several years um so let's talk about know. that you 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 get it back up to form and said but you still didn't answer because i want to make we get down to that that moment you said i'm willing to take this on again i'm willing to take yeah, on that battle i was willing to take it on again and i knew that um the industry itself still had its difficulties they were still dealing with a lot of issues some of the same issues that i you know had previously dealt with um and i knew it wasn't going to be easy but not only had my voice grown, but I had grown as an individual. And I had grown to the point to where I was, I, I felt more comfortable um, standing up for myself and broaching uncomfortable subjects with people. So I became the person, instead of waiting for the gatekeepers to broach the subject with me, I would broach the subject with them right off the bat. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. 
you'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen. If my body size is going to be a problem from you, tell me right now. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to waste your time. And, uh, you know, we can we can call it a day now. How many and people you said, uh, um, you know what? We're, we're not we're not 
it's not your body size, but they made another excuse. Or how many people said, yeah, it is. You know, I, I, we, we, we have a certain look. N none of them. When I started to broach the subject on my terms, never did I have anyone say, oh, oh, no, they, they like, oh, no, no, no. That's not an issue. That's not going to be an issue. Powerful. Um, I think there's two things you see in the whole purpose of that moment is that we don't brush over these topics because you can analyze anything in the same characteristics you'll see in business and personal life you'll see here. How many people have had, whether in their personal relationship, everybody has a personal relationship, whether with their mother, their father, their sister, or husband, whatever the case is. How many people have been in relationships or a love of something that they stepped away from or they're, they're starting to get away from, but you know what they said? It's worth fighting for. I'm going to return to it. And even in this one, this is not. This is a personal love, and, and, and I know by any artist out there, for you to go up and do this, it's not... I want to be famous. It's I am adding value. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take that person to another place, whether for a minute, two minutes, an hour, or whatever the case is, and let them forget about the world. And I'm going to bring some light and joy to them. And exactly. it's the same thing, I think, in a relationship of any form, that you get to that moment where you decide if it's worth fighting for. Now I think that's very powerful. A lot of people they think they want to put their head in the sand. They think that it'll cure itself. They think that maybe just let me go here when what they were, were worth fighting for was probably the best thing ever. And they allow somebody else to fight for it or whatever the right. case is and taken away from them. Another thing I think that is really important is you walked in the room and took the question out of the room. You know, that gray area in any relationship is, it, it, I noticed it in business too, is... When somebody just says, I've heard some stuff about you. I saw you act like this to a waiter or somebody the other day. I don't I don't know there's something in there that I don't know if I really like you. I, I don't know where I'm at with you. You know, and you could say, I don't know really I don't know where I'm at with you, but you know what? I don't think I'll probably do anything with you if you're bold enough to say it. But let's start off like that. Put them on warning, right? Mm -hmm. Or there's other ways to say, you know. I think what you said is really powerful. Listen, if you have any issues with who I am, where I come from, I didn't, I don't have this big education. Let's say I was said to someone, I don't have a really big education. I'm not going to be able to. I'm not detail oriented. I'm dyslexic. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to add value. You can ask me any other questions. If you have an issue and you need me to, 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 you know, do all these things that are just not my area, let me know. Right. right. Um, and when you did that, you said nobody had a problem. All not of a sudden, not a single person. Why do you th why do you think that is? Because previously, let's say five percent, ten percent, thirty percent had overt problems. Do you think the industry just said one of the oldest forms of classical music that we all enjoy that en that enjoy primarily, you know, by you know, really uh, people who are very in tune with music, higher education, primarily, but you know, of, of course, it's, it. The origin of it comes from you think it all of a sudden in that short period of time just lost their bigotry no no but i think there was more uh a fear of of, of showing it overtly um you know when you when i when i when i broached the subject on my own terms it did almost put them on the defensive um and kind of like oh so 
obviously they know we we do this. So no, but no, we don't have an issue with this anymore. You know, that's not going to be a problem. Don't worry. You know, that's the least of your worries. Don't worry about that. But now you walk in the room, you have to over deliver, can't you? Because no matter what, you you have to find. Did you find that you were over delivering, or you found they said this industry is changing in certain ways, and we need different angles? And the man is absolutely talented. He's put the work in. And so, what 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 which one is it? Well, you you always have to as as a black man in this industry, you you have to over deliver all the time. Um, one of the one of the main things my teacher taught me is that as as a black opera singer, as a black singer in classical music, I'm not going to have the the privilege or the luxury of being mediocre. I have to be better than, twice as good as. Um, those with whom I may be in competition with for uh, particular jobs. Um, so I, I go into everything I do with that in mind and knowing that, uh, you know, I got to come in with, with, as they say, with, with, with guns blazing and knowing that when it's, when it comes time for me to stand up there on that stage, I have to give everything that I can in that moment. And yeah. once they leave on the stage, and I, I love it. Can you educate me a little bit about the, the um, the dynamics in classical music on the breakdown of race and gender? Even if you if you just thought about, it, I know I know you probably I I don't know, but I don't think you, you came here with data. But as you look at everything from the orchestra to everybody else, is it zero African Americans? And you know, because I I went the other night and I saw, um. I saw Black Panther at Carnegie Hall, right? Mm -hmm. And it was absolutely amazing. Now, you know, I think that most of the audience and the orchestra were, were um, they were not African-American. But right. the lead the lead guy playing whatever this instrument was, when he got up there on stage, and you got to excuse my ignorance, um, I didn't know anything, I looked it up. I mean, they stood up for this guy. This guy must be so well-recognized. And he played this little, this little two-piece uh, percussion. Um, what is what does it look like? What is what is the color of a, or what is what does it look like? The demographic or the breakdown normally. I, I don't know specific you know percentages and whatnot, but um, that's always been an issue. Is the is the 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 amount of representation that there is within the industry? There are many 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 talented black opera singers. Um, if you if you um, visit some of the, the, the larger opera houses in the country, say the Metropolitan or Chicago Lyric or Houston Grand Opera, usually if they put on a production of Porgy and Bess, it's usually going to be their best seller of the season. Um, right. And that's, that's dealing with an all-black cast, uh, with the exception of a, few, of a couple characters within the... Um, so you... The, the representation of that matters, and, and the, there's... These artists are there, but oftentimes they aren't being given the opportunities to shine and to to. Well, I'm to, even looking at it from an orchestra standpoint. I'm even looking at it from an orchestra standpoint because I got to tell you, I went to um, the Christmas Spectacular, and I'm up there. You know, I, you know, I'm, my wife is my wife is white. My 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 ex wife is Dominican. You know, obviously, um, my mother's African American. I'm a man of all colors. I love all people. Um, in the Radio City Music Hall, and I'm like, 
you know, the, the couple of singers up there. I'm like, man, only one black person? <laughs> then another couple. No, wait, 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 wait. Two? Wait a minute. Asian. Mm-hmm. Opens up. I see two, three, four. Mrs. Claus comes out and she's just, she's, get right. You have to look like she had cornrows. <laughs> we could sit here and try to be judgmental. And I'm just asking you the question because, you know, you know, you, you know, it, it could be diverse and I, I don't really know. But I, I want to ask you something. Um, I think that when did you when did you realize when was the moment that you said after you started, when did you realize that you're going to you're going to do this period when you came back? And what what was that like? And because you probably did you have to burn all the bridges or did you kind of do the well? You know, it's like all the actors in L.A., their waiters are in the day and actors at night or vice versa. When was that moment you said, that's it, man. My voice has changed. I'm starting to get roles. I'm taking the question out of the room. This is it. It was more of a decision to to really, when I came back to, I was going to go forward full steam ahead and put my full effort into this pursuit um, and not be afraid of, of the rejection that I may face and just keep pushing. Um, my father has all, my late father um, would always tell me, um, even during the years that I wasn't singing, um, he would say, son, you, your future is in your throat. Your future is in your throat. And he would, he would constantly remind me of that. And it just took time for me to believe it. And when I started to believe it, and I said, and gone through that process of one learning to love my own sound and to appreciate my own sound. You know, there was, there was, I mean, you just put, you couldn't tell me nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I was my, I, I was and always will be my own worst critic. Um, there is nothing that anyone can say about me that I haven't already said about myself. Um, so, you know, any comment you may want to make, a snide remark or comment about me or my size or my voice, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I've already said it to myself. I've already gone through that process of, of, of kind of this, this um, self-evaluation and knowing what my limitations and what, what my strengths are as, as a singer, as, as an artist. And, and you know, I, I, I know that I'm, I'm bringing things to the table that other artists can't. I, you were brought to my attention by a, a friend of mine and a team member of mine during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Uh, everybody was on Clubhouse. We had no place to go. We were finding comfort or anger or joy and information, inspiration and in other people on, these, on this open platform. And I was, I would hear you sing on these things and no, it was okay. Not because you're okay. It was because I was looking on it, listening to it on a little phone, but I was like, right. Okay. You know, um, and I would, I'm not even, I'm sure everybody asked you, I'm not going to insult you. I asked you to do that here on this thing. I think that, that it is a, it is a, uh, you know, by hearing your voice is so rich and so beautiful as you speak, um, I have to, and I'm hopefully I'm going to be here to be able to come and hear you Saturday night. But that's that's this that is on my bucket list. But 
where were you at that point in your life um, when we were locked down and, and, and people started hearing you singing on this, um, this little device. Now it's weird <laughs> because I had the joy of being in the room with Michael Jackson one time. And, um, and I tell the story about how hype Williams had, he, he was asking hype to hype Williams to do a video for him. He, we had a meeting at Michael's house and Michael pulled out a transistor radio. And I've said it many times that hype was looking around and hype and I was looking around like, but listen to his new song on a transistor radio. And we're like, <laughs> I mean, I think Michael Jackson could probably own a boombox for sure. Yeah, you think. <laughs> and he said, most of the world is going to listen to my music. 95% of the world is going to listen to my music through that transistor radio. They're going to hear it through there. Mm -hmm. um, and we look at historically opera and various other things in the, you know, in the, <laughs> in the 40s and 50s and various other things. It was heard through, you know, devices mm -hmm. such as that. Right. How much did that, where were you in 2020 when you were out there just being yourself and making us all fall in love with this beautiful voice of yours on these little devices during um, the pandemic? Where were you in your life at that point? I was, you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a time in my life and I didn't know what was really coming next. Um, prior to the pandemic, my, my career was starting to build momentum and I was, you know, lined up to do some really fabulous things, um, you know, with, with, uh, with a multi-city tour and, uh, and other things. And, um, and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and all of these things started to slowly, the contracts slowly started to disappear. Yeah. Uh, one by one, we were just sitting here and you, you'd sit and every morning you'd wake up there would be another email. We're so sorry that we're going to have to cancel. And, you know, that was tough because you, as the momentum was building, now you're wondering how are we going to rekindle that momentum? Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes 
I guess identify the life that I want and and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Uh, Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, And to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What can can we do to to kind of keep the fire going. Yeah. And a friend of mine reached out to me and said, Hey, are you on clubhouse? And I said, no, what's, you know, what's clubhouse. And she goes, Oh, I've got an invitation. I'll, I'll send it to you. And this was when it was basically strictly for, you know, iPhone users at this point, uh, before they opened it up to the general public. Um, so she invited me on and she says, I have someone you have to meet. And it happened to be your, your associate, Chauncey. Mm-hmm. And Chauncey and I met and we began to, to talk. And he, you know, he found out that I was an opera singer and he heard some recordings. And, he, you know, he told me about his, how much he liked, you know, listening to, to, to classical music and things of that nature. And, you know, he, I have to say, I was kind of at my lowest point. 
of not really? knowing where yeah. I want to go at that point. And the meeting with him and getting to know him and him speaking uh, about me or what he thought of my talent and kind of gave me that drive to keep going. And he came up with a great idea and said, why don't we do um, a concert on Clubhouse? And so we, we began working to put together this concert. Uh, I, I found a, a sound engineer who, who helped me set up, you know, do my whole setup uh, of microphones and, and music and whatnot to get the best sound possible. Um, you know, I wanted it to sound um, as, as close as possible to people sitting in a concert hall, even though we were all sitting in our bedrooms and our living rooms or wherever else at the time. But, you know, they helped me get this set up. And then Chauncey and I did a little Q&A and between questions every now and then I would, I would sing a couple songs. And um, Over the course of that night, we had close to 1,300 people listening to this concert. And it just blew my mind that, you know, this little app on a phone that we could get that many people in one place listening to classical music and uh, listening to me tell my story um, with along with uh, as Chauncey questioned me. But it was it was a pivotal moment for me to do to do that. And so I I came out of I was able to come out of the pandemic because of the things I'd done, I began to create other opportunities for myself, doing uh, what I would call a kitchen concert from my kitchen at home. And I would, uh, you know, just set up and do a 30-minute concert or, or do a concert from my bedroom uh, of, of musical theater tunes or, uh, or, you know, spend 30 minutes taking requests from people uh, on songs they might want to hear me sing. Uh, and, you know, that that sort of thing kind of kept kept that drive kept that kept the pilot light on um, to, to to make me want to keep pursuing this. The pivotal moment that you had was it a pivotal moment internally, or did any other any other I don't know opportunities you know, present themselves down the road out of the not necessarily the clubhouse, but the the actions you started to take either from Clubhouse or after Clubhouse or the momentum you were starting to gain back from it. Did anything come out of that? Yeah, I, was, uh, I received uh, the, what came out of it is I received an offer to uh, initially what would be to be a cover, which would be kind of the understudy for uh, another artist with L.A. Opera. Um and oh, when initially oh, started, that's the one they called me about I was tied up yes <laughs> and, and 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 so initially i was the cover but over the course of the the next several months it went from me being a cover to me singing the majority of the performances and it was it was a it was a life-changing moment for me to have that opportunity to sing on the stage of la opera uh, Dorothy Chandler Pavilion with with Maestro James Conlon and and a cast of 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 just some of the greatest voices in the world to to really kind of catapult my name out there and say oh he's here he's here he's coming 
he's coming. And, you know, the momentum that we thought he had lost, it's still there. Um, and so my, my team, my, my agents have been um, working diligently. We all have just to kind of to keep that momentum going, keep, keep moving forward. Um, as, as a little saying says, we, wanna, we always, always forward, forward in all ways. And no matter what, keep moving forward. Uh, so, you know, that LA Opera came about um, over the last couple of years. It's been very challenging for me because I've, I've dealt with some very um, extreme professional highs, but some of the most personal lows that I've had to deal with uh, in, in the death of my father um, in, in 2021, um, in May of 2021. And then the the death of my eldest sister in November of 2021. Um, so, you know, on top of those, I was dealing with. Um, I received another opportunity to, um, to once again be an understudy, but this time at the Metropolitan Opera in New York, to cover yeah. the role of Radames and Aida. And, you know, it was one of those instances where my sister passed away during the rehearsal process. Um, and she made it clear to me before she departed that where I needed to be was in New York. She knew that's where I needed to be. Um, and as difficult as it was, um, I did go home for a brief moment, but I went back to New York uh, instead of staying home for her funeral. I went back to where she... I went back to where she knew I was supposed to be and where she wanted me to be. And that eventually led to me making my debut at the Metropolitan Opera and becoming the first African-American to sing the role of Rodimus, an African character in the Mets 240-year history. Um, wow. So, you know, and then, then a month later, I made my debut at Carnegie Hall. Um, mm. And, you know, it was just kind of this domino effect of, of, of things that have been been happening career wise, that um, you know, I'm just extremely grateful that uh, you know that that things are going as well as they are, and that uh, I've had such uh, an unwavering support from my family, um, who um, even with the losses we've experienced, were were there for me 100. percent And uh, my friends, my family, um, you know, I wouldn't have made it through that without without them. You know, it's it's powerful. You know, I don't I don't I wonder how many people will let this moment pass them by and not take in you know, the the easiest thing to say is when you're on Clubhouse, oh, you know, what are you are you gonna start singing this shit on there? Who's the guy who's the guy Chauncey what yeah, he's a music guy. Oh, okay. But he handled you two and everyone. What does he know about classical? And right. What are you going to do? You're going to just sing on there? That's what you're going to do. That you, you know, you're just going to say, and you're going to get somewhere. So I'm sure that's an easy conversation for people to have. Mm -hmm. How many people will let more moments go by like this, where it's either Damon John decides to stand on the corner in 1989, Good Friday, 315 in the afternoon with a bag, a garbage bag full of hats, or you decided to do a kitchen concert slash concert with somebody you didn't know, who uh, had some crazy idea of start singing through the little devices when we have the most 
enhanced audio in the world now mm-hmm. and not realize that these little moments in our life lead to being on the stage and going, doing a cover at LA Opera and then moving up there to then, uh, you know, the Met and Carnegie Hall and, uh, how many people will, will sit there and not take this moment to understand that? I wonder, you know, because they think life is about luck. Life is about those who mm-hmm. are willing to take those small opportunities that everybody will laugh at them because they're so concerned going, damn, you just walking around the house singing that. You just thirsty. Yeah. You're staying on well, your little phone. Isn't that cute? With somebody you have no idea about. Yeah. It's easy for, for people to say, oh, well, I'm. I'll put that off and just do this another time. We can push this to, you know, when the when the moment hits, you know, you never know if to, when that opportunity is going to come around again or if it will come around again. So, you know, I've, I've learned to uh, to be willing to take the risk um, of of doing something that kind of gets me outside of my box um, and 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 kind of stretches me as as a person, stretches me as an artist, and you know, challenges me to continue to do the work, even when I'm, I may not necessarily feel like doing the work. As, as one of my dearest friends in this industry says, do the work to stay ready. You don't have to get ready. So you do the work. And when the opportunities come, you're ready for it. Well, man, I thank you so much for this because I know you have to get ready, right? Because I know you're, I know you got some nights ahead of you. Some being nice. I know you took the time. I know there's a lot of powerful things here that people will let pass by them. But you know what? Those aren't the people that we're trying to make sure that get the point. Those aren't the people that at this moment won't change the world. Maybe they'll change the world later on down the road because you never know. I've been I'm I'm not better than anybody. I've heard great advice and great inspirational things. And I'm sitting there eating. What did he say? Ah, Whatever. And then, you know, 10 years later, it says the same exact thing. I go, holy shit. You know, that's that's incredible. So thank you so much, man, for what you do and, and bringing people so much joy and being a, 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 a inspiration, you know, on the stage and, uh, you know, just just as a as a pure human being, man. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. And if you happen to be available, I would love to extend an invitation to you and your wife to be my guest on opening night on uh, Saturday here at the Arts for Ipagliacci. Uh It's a, 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 a black tie uh, evening. And uh, if you're available, please come and, and be my guest. All right. It is an honor. Thank you, brother. Thank you. That Moment with Damon John is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from the Black Effect Podcast Network, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite show. And don't forget to subscribe to and rate the show. And of course, you can all connect with me on any of my social media platforms at The Shark Damon, spelt like Raymond, but what a D. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 